0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael speaks on compelling people to Christ. They done slung out their hair bow up here worshiping. Like old church, bobby pins flying everywhere. Hey, is this where you stand when you speak? I don't remember. It's been, been, uh, this it. Okay. Awesome. Been a couple of weeks, and uh, it's been amazing. Jahan has been with you, and uh, it's been powerful. Yes, so excited. We just are um, really trying to be obedient this year and feel like that there's a mandate to kind of sow into some other places, so we're going to try to be faithful to that this year. Felt that a couple years and have disobeyed. So I'm gonna try obedience this year. See if it works, see if it works a little better. But uh, we're gonna try that out. Do you need to be working? You have a lot to do? Okay. All right. So it is draft Sunday. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but yeah! Yay! Draft Sunday. We're going to draft our teams for Invite Fight today. And uh, it's going to be a good time. I don't have any jokes. I don't have anything. And, uh, uh, yeah. Well, I read like a bunch of them to the staff the other day, and they didn't like any of mine. So, um, yeah. Okay, one joke. How about that? One joke. So there was a Baptist preacher. Is anybody sensitive about denominational jokes? Cover your ears, all right? It's all in good fun, all right? So there's a Baptist preacher, and him and his wife, their dog passed away. It's a very sad thing, right? So they needed to replace the dog, and they were, I mean, I'm not saying all Baptist churches are this way, but their church was... Um, a little judgy. So they knew they had to get a Baptist dog to replace their dog. So they were looking all over for a Baptist dog and they're calling, um, you know, breeders and all this stuff. And, and they call this guy and they say, we, you know, we need a good Christian dog. We got, And so this guy says, I have just what you need. So they go to the guy's house and and the dog comes out, and, and the guy says, let me mute this. The guy says, uh, watch this. He tells the dog, he says, go fetch the Bible. And the dog runs over to the bookshelf. If you could just imagine, dog gets up, takes his paw, is going through the books, stops on the Bible, pops it out, brings the Bible, lays it down at the man's feet. So the pastor looks at his wife, he's like, wow, this dog got it going on, man. And the guy said, that's nothing. Watch this. And he said, find Psalm 23. And the dog gets a little pause, right? Opens the Bible, turns through the pages, puts his paw right on Psalm 23. The pastor's like, man, this is it. We got to have this dog. This is awesome. All the people in our church will love it. They'll, they'll, They'll honor us more because our dog is so good. So, they get the dog, they take it home, and first thing they do is they have a big party, invite a bunch of people from the church over, and they're like, "Check out our new dog! What's this?" Go get a Bible. The dog runs over to the bookshelf, goes through, finds the Bible, pulls it off, brings it to the owner's feet, and people are like, "Wow!" And he goes, "That's nothing. What's this? Find twenty-third Psalm." And the dog gets his paws, finds the passage, puts it in there, and uh, somebody yells out another one, Luke uh, 5, I'll say one that doesn't exist, 23, if I try to guess, and dog, boom, right on it. And, you know, there's one in every crowd, right, that's not impressed. So one of them says, that's great. Does this dog do any regular tricks? And he said, well, I don't know. And he said, Let's try. And so he says, heal. That dog starts wagging his tail, jumps up on the back of his couch, puts his paw on the pastor's head, and starts howling. (laughs) (sighs) Pastor looks over his wife. He said, oh my goodness, he's Pentecostal. (laughs) Those of you didn't laugh. See? He jumped on the back of his hand. Ooh <clears throat> All right. There we go. That's the only one. That was a long one. That's a good one, All right? You want to turn in your Bibles to Luke? <laughs> <laughs> Luke, Luke chapter 14 real quick So I haven't been able to minister here in two weeks And today is draft day and we're going to need some time for draft day So I'm, I'm very limited in time today But I just want to share a little bit if I can Luke chapter 14 verse 16 is where we'll start It's rude to have something in my mouth. Let me chew that up. All right, are you ready? I'm gonna read from the Passion. Then New American Standard, then King James. Now, a man invited many to join him in a great feast. This is Jesus telling a parable, by the way, okay? When the day for the feast arrived, The host instructed his servants to notify all the invited guests and tell them, come, for everything is now ready for you. But one by one, they made excuses. Ah. One said, I can't come. I just bought some property, and I have to go look at it. Okay. Another said... Please accept my regrets, for I just purchased five teams of oxen, and I need to make sure they can pull the plow. Another one said, I can't come because I just got married. Isn't it amazing that all three of these instances of why they can't come are instances of increase and blessing? not that crazy? I have new property, I have new oxen, I have a new bride, I can't come. The servant reported back to the host and told him of all their excuses. <clears throat> the master became angry and said to his servant, go at once throughout the city and invite anyone you find. The poor, the blind, the disabled, the hurting, and the lonely. Is anybody glad? Invite them to my banquet. When the servant returned to his master, he said, sir, I have done what you asked, but there's still room for more. So the master told him, all right, go out again, and this time bring them all back with you. Persuade the beggars on the streets, the outcasts, even the homeless. Insist that they come in and enjoy the feast so that my house will be full. Okay? So bring them with you, persuade, and insist. Who gay, KJV only people in the room? This is for you. In the King James, the Lord said unto the servants, goest thou thou outest in, no, it doesn't do it that bad. (laughs) Go out into the highways and the hedges. Go out into the highways and the hedges, okay? And compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Compel, persuade, insist, bring them with you. Don't talk about it, be about it. Right? New American Standard says, and the master said to the slave, go into the roads and the hedges and press upon them to come in so that my house will be filled. (coughs) Now, this is strong language, right? Insist, persuade, bring them with you, compel, press upon them This is how he intends to get the people to the banquet that so many people made excuses about coming to. That's the assignment of the keepers of the banquet. That's the assignment of his team that is supposed to get people to the banquet. Here we go. Y'all want to hear me attempt to say a Greek word? (laughs) (laughs) Anang... An ang zo There you go. An ang kazo. Here we go. Kenny can only hear it if it's in the right speed of that's his fluent language, <laughs> Greek. I'm sorry. An <laughs> uh, ang kazo. It means. Here's some more strange words. This is. The compel, the word, no matter what translation you take it from, how many people know the real translation is the Greek? That's how it was written, okay? And so the word for it there that they've used that we get so uptight about, whether they said press, whether they said compel, whether they said insist or persuade, the word means to force, compel, constrain, urge, Necessitate with urgency. I like that one. Necessitate with urgency. We must necessitate with urgency that you join us in our banquet. Now, like, I understand if anybody's wondering, I have some folks that try to help me a lot. Um, You know what I'm saying? Not y'all. People watch online and try to help me. I have some people try to help me. A lot, And I'm thankful for help, unless you don't know what you're talking about. Then you're just on my nerves. But, (laughs) so, I understand what this parable is about. Jesus said, this is like the kingdom of heaven, is like this banquet, okay? We do not, around here, pimp, prostitute, Manipulate or use the word of God to propagate our agenda. Are you with me? So I'm not attempting today to take this passage and say that this is all about church growth. Like this is the banquet. Don't make excuses. Don't ever miss, right? That gum, uh, you know, and compel, force, constrain people to be in this building, right? Now here's what I am saying though. This is just some real simple observation over the last ten years. I have come to see a correlation. <laughs> with people that come into the building and come into the kingdom. I've seen a correlation of people who come into the building and their lives be changed. I've seen a correlation of the Oxley family who God sent and they'll never be the same and they're pillars in our body. I've seen a correlation of marriages that were on the, being destroyed and come in, and I've seen marriages be healed. Not because of the air in this room or how pretty the walls are, just because we want to host the presence of God and He does things in people's lives in this place. So, as much as I would not try to take this word and twist it and make it about, coming to church and getting people here and beat you up with it or try to motivate you with it, there is an amazing correlation of people coming into the kingdom when we do compel them to come into this place. So I used to do sales, the law of averages. Anybody ever heard of the law of averages? This is really deep. The more people you ask, the more yeses you'll get. That's deep, right? Here's what bothers us. Here's another amazing law of averages. That if you're gonna be a good salesman, you have to embrace and realize the more people you ask, the more no's you'll get. All right. So if and I'm I'm trying I'm just being a little tongue in cheek facetious here. You guys know how I feel about this place and you, but I'm just saying even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm saying even if over the last 10 years, bear with me, only one life has been positively impacted by the kingdom, by the ministry of this place. If only one. Well, the chances are, the more people we expose to the thing that changed just one, we'll get more lives changed. I mean, I'm just worst case scenarios today. All right? What's special about this place, why I think it's important for people to come in and not this place, but any place that has the heart that you have in this place, the powerful thing about this place is not the worship, is not the teaching, is not anything about what we can physically do in this place, but it's about the people, it's about the family, and that changes people's lives. So when I say we should compel, constrain, whatever it takes, get people to come in, we should bring them to our family and believe that they can't possibly be in this family, around this family, without feeling the love of God and their life being touched. Man, we've we've made some error in history with passages like this. Force, compel. Witch hunts, right? Taking the law into our own hands. Trying to legislate faith and make people do what we think they're supposed to do. But we know in 2 Corinthians ten four it says, The weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. I love this. Second Corinthians five, fourteen says, "For the love of Christ, for the love of Christ." Oh, it's not up there. Is it going up there? Uh, I was going to show y'all something. All right, there it is. So, we don't have uh, we don't have King James, or do we? Man, we don't even we don't even believe in it. We don't even have King James here. What's that? Did you think I've had an N in front of it there? All right, forget about it, take it off. King James, there's only 57 uh, translations they have to look through. For the love of Christ constraineth us. That's King James, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Cool, put that one back up. I don't even see New King James, but I like that too. Can you put it back up? So what does the love of Christ do? Same word. The love of Christ forces you, necessitates with urgency. The love of Christ constrains us, compels us, calls us, forces us. What's wrong with 12? Say, There's no other response I can find to the grace of God, to his love for us, than to submit my life to him. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't physically constrain people, but we lovingly constrain people. Come on. We display the love of God in such a way that it forces people to respond. That's what that passage is saying. What is the weapon? What is the handcuffs? What is the chains in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, in the church? It's the love of God. And it constrains them to where they can do nothing except comply. It necessitates with urgency a response. The love of God constrains them. We must constrain people and bring them to the banquet. Because many people have made excuses and many people have not come and many people have rejected and it's time for us to go out into the highways, find you some hedges and compel some folks to come in. You know, I don't even remember, time is going so fast in my life. I don't remember when we got these chairs And I don't remember when we got this carpet. I don't remember when we renovated it. I don't know. Was it a year? Was it two? Was it three? And I feel like the last three years is like one year, right? I feel like we're like in God's timetable now. You know, it's like how many years have passed? Yesterday I saw the president announce COVID yesterday on TV, right? But when we put these chairs in and we put this carpet in, anybody remember we had a little pledge where you could buy a a chair and a square or a square and a chair? I don't remember how we did it. I'm sure it was super cool, whatever we did. (laughs) And you guys bought every one of these chairs. And you guys bought every one of these carpet squares. And what we said was, By all means, we're going to win some. Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, For though I am free from all men, I've made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. To the Jew I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without laws, as without law. Though not be without the law of God, but under the law of Christ that compels and constrains, right? So that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became weak. That I might win the weak, I become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do things for the sake of the gospel, so that I might become a fellow partaker of it. And I love this. I mean, if you're, if you're real tight on translations, you probably really don't like the message, but I really like the way the message says this. Even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, come on. We don't, we're not here to please men, are we? I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. See, we don't worship people and we don't have fear of people and we don't bow down to people, but if we can, by the love of Christ, be constrained, we can serve people and we can humble ourselves. right? And so, uh, where was I? Um, I like this, uh, range, a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, m- meticulous moralist. How many people, I mean, they can't even talk to a non-religious because they're so religious. And how many non-religious can't receive anything from a religious because they're religious? Come on. Meticulous moralists, loose-living, immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world. And I tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. The saying, well, by all means then, and I'm just saying, well, by all means. Yeah. Yeah. You'll remember when we were talking about this, we did a little series on by all means. Again, I don't know when it was, but I was just reflecting on that this week. And 2 Samuel 17, 16. Now, therefore, send quickly and tell David saying, "Backstory: Absalom, David's son, is trying to kill him. And they're setting up an ambush for David. And so, now therefore, send quickly and tell David, saying, do not spend the night at the fords of the wilderness, but by all means cross over, or else the king and all the people who are with him will be destroyed. I love this because this passage here just takes that same phrase and it puts just some weight on it that we realize that by all means... It, it emphasizes that there's a moment to be missed and people will perish. If we don't by all means do what he's telling us to do, by all means, he says. That's mean, that means leave nothing, leave nothing on the field, right? Leave nothing out. By all means, do this. I don't care what it takes, while well, whatever means necessary, yeah. heed this word and move, and there was a weight with that yeah. that it was a moment and it could be missed and people would perish. Numbers 13:30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. This is when the spies came back. And the majority of the spies, except for all the spies except for Joshua. And Caleb said, we can't go into the promised land. And Joshua and Caleb said that we could. And so they're all murmuring. They're all upset. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it. For we will surely overcome it. We should by all means do this. We're constrained. We're compelled. We're forced by all means do this. It's a sense of desperation, a sense of opportunity, promise, and penalty. We must act now. There's an urgency. We must necessitate with urgency. Right? There's something to be lost. There's something to be won. By all means. So by all means, encompasses this this determination, this flexibility, this, this, this dependability, this obedience to do and be whatever God would call us to do and be that we would win all. So it means by all means do whatever means necessary and then it's that urgency like when you tell somebody by all means do this so I say, by all means, and by all means. Are you right? Whatever it takes, and it's urgent, and there's a price to be paid, and there's a cost if we don't. By all means, by all means. Are you with me? By all means, by all means. That doesn't leave room to hold much back. It's like how, when, and where. By all means, by all means, by all means, by all means. By all means. Hold nothing back. I believe, just like the apostles, after the resurrection, they worked and partnered with God. It says God worked with them Confirming his word. And I believe that God is doing, always doing, but I see evidence that God has done and is doing things in this body, in this family, in this place. And I believe that if people come into this place, they will encounter him. And I believe that it will constrain them in such a way that there'll be a transformation in their life. Well, every single person, I'm not going to say no because I'm going to believe every single person, huh? Not even going to say that out loud. Every single person. I said it before, I believe it starts in the parking lot. I believe it starts with your text. I believe it starts with your call. I believe it starts with the spirit in which you approach them. But I believe you've got it. You've got the means that by all we need. You've got the means. You've got the spirit of God. You've got his love. You've got his constraining force. You've got his power. And I believe that we can work together and we can partner with him. I still believe. I don't, I just... I want to constantly make clear what I believe about this place. Just in case anybody thinks there's ever a point where I'm just content. And think, man, it's pretty full. Giving's pretty good. I get a paycheck. I'm able to provide for my family. What, I mean, what's the point? I mean, it's just kind of chill. I believe this place I was confronted with it this week. and let me just make declaration out loud, to just yes. renounce a declaration that was made. I believe that this little church up on this hill can impact the world. I believe we'll change our city. I believe we'll change our nation and the nations of the world. I don't believe it because of my incredible vision. I don't believe it because of my incredible anointing. I believe it because I believe it's in the heart of God. And I believe that he sent people to walk with us and he's sending people that carry the means by all that we can do that and you're part of that and I believe that. Our vision month a few years ago was it ain't over and we ain't done. Knoxville burning. And it ain't over and we ain't done. I see Knoxville burning. I see Knoxville burning with the flames of revival and they sweep across the nation. And I don't care, I don't care, I don't care what it looks like, what it sounds like, and how many people don't agree with it. But lives are gonna be forever changed and transformed because of him, because he is jealous for me. His love is wild. He doesn't give himself in pieces, he doesn't hide himself to tease us. And that love constrains us where we have no other choice than to say, by all means, by all means, by all means. I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. I believe it now more than I've ever believed it before. When I look around this room, I believe it now more than I've ever believed it before. When I look into the faces of the people that God has sent, I believe it now more than I've ever believed it before. That together, we're gonna change the world. It's not some pie-in-the-sky motivational speaking. I believe it. By all means, let's do it. It's a real practical little thing that we love to do. And I thought about sending out a message this week and just trying to get some testimonies, but I know... Specifically, there's lives that were specifically changed because of invite fight. Because we did a silly competition in the church, it changed people's lives. By all means, let's do it again. Right? Let's do it again let's try to make it bigger let's try to make it better let me let me be clear about what feeds my belief of what we're gonna do it's not numbers I do not know how many people are here I never know how many people are here when we met in the school I used to want to know the number every time so I could know if we could pay the bill and if it was enough people there and all that stuff and I laid that down and went back to my house and I said I'll never care again about how many people's here. I do not know how many people's here. They don't tell me. I know that last month there were 50 more people here every Sunday than previous months. Before that, I don't know if that, what that 50 more makes it. But Jen said, just sent us a message to the staff, just to, a testimony. I don't know what the numbers are. People say, how many are you running? I don't know. Who cares? What, what kind of question is that? <laughs> ask me, ask me about some people and let me tell you some names and let me tell you some stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, let me just, you know, is anybody being changed? How, how's it going up there? Is anybody's life being changed? Oh, let me tell you some stories. Yeah. Let me tell you about some families. Let me tell you about some lives. Let me tell you about some things. Yeah. No, how many of you running? I don't give a, I have no idea I'll never come under that again but he's faithful and he's present and he's here and I always know it, yeah. and I always miss it when I'm somewhere else. But I want him to be evidently here, here, there as well. That makes sense. Yeah. And not that I'm going to be the thing that does it, but there are some principles maybe that people need to know about hosting his presence yeah. in a place where he feels welcome and invited to and I'm thankful for that. So, let me just give a couple little practical things before we do our draft. Are you ready for the draft? Yeah. Let me say, especially with whatever number of people are here and the growth that takes place, and the people that aren't here every week, but they attend here some, you know, some of you may not be able to be here every week, and so if we were counting, I don't know, the numbers would be way off. There's double the amount of people that attend here that are ever here on a given Sunday. That makes sense? That attend here regularly, not just once in a blue moon, but that regularly attend. We're just not all here at the same time. So we've tried our best to be as thorough and as diligent as we can this week, not this week. We've been working on this for a month, of trying to involve everyone. And so we need some grace if somehow we've not done that, if somehow you've been missed. We tried to even grab everybody this morning so that no one sitting in here today is not given the opportunity to partner with some other families and participate with us in, in seeing what God can do just by in this place if we get people here. And so we've tried to do that um, If we failed in that, please give us grace and just, I don't care. She's going to start moving here a minute, rearranging some stuff. If you don't see your name, be like, dude, my name's not up there. We'll get it up there. Okay. Can you do that, please? I mean, we're just, look at this. We're just human. Look here. We're just skin and bones. Some of us have more than others. If you're at home and somehow we've missed you, listen, we've already said, like, if we miss somebody, we'll just expand the teams, add one more family. You can have four. If you have four, you can't take any more. They got to find another three. So if you want to participate, then participate, okay? That's going to be on you. We can't force you or compel you, but we're trying our best to facilitate it. Let me just give some practical things real quick. I just, just internet, it's a wonderful thing sometimes. And I like these, some other church put this out. Number one, pray before inviting someone. Ask the Holy Spirit to prompt you. If you should invite them, if he lays it on your heart to ask them, ask them, right? I think there's gonna be twofold in this. I think that we can do like a shotgun blast and put just we're gonna give you some invites and maybe you'll give them to your server at a restaurant, give them to the cashier at the gas station. You know, I want you just to blast them out and we'll make more. But I think there's gonna be some relational connections too, where it's way more personal. You know, and um, and so I, I want you to try to bou- try to do both of those, right? I mean, by all means. If you only invite people you know, then you did not exhaust all means. If you only invite strangers where there's no, you don't have to worry about somebody you know telling you no, then you haven't exhausted all means. Right? So be led to ask some folks and be principled to ask all folks. How's that? Be led to specifically ask some folks and be principled just, I'm going to ask everybody over the next four weeks. Every time I go, I'm going to leave this. Every time I go, I'm going to hand this. Every time I do this, I'm going to do this. And then be led to ask some folks. And maybe the cashier will be one that you're led to. And Maybe you say, hey, not only am I inviting you, I'd like to change numbers. I'll meet you. I'll drive you, whatever you want to do. He said, bring them with you. I just love the language. He didn't just say, he, he, he left to just tell them. And then he said, bring them, just bring them with you. Yeah. You know, get a little more active in this process. Ask them if they could go with you. Don't throw an open invite, but instead offer to meet them. Hey, I'll meet you outside. I'll meet you in the lobby. I'll meet you, you can meet at my house. We can drive together, meet in the parking lot hey, let's go eat lunch. I know some of y'all have so many guests here, you can't take them all to lunch, but maybe you don't, you know, you just take one family out on a given Sunday. Maybe you just feel led to do that with that one. Dude, you're gonna partner with God. You're gonna have skin in the game and somebody's life being changed. That's gonna go well for you. Whatever means possible. Explain what it will look like. Lots of people wanna go to church, but they're afraid to go to church. Explain what it will look like. Is there a dress code? Tell them no. Should they bring a Bible? Some people are like, I don't have a Bible. These These are reasons people don't go. Will they have to stand up and introduce themselves? Tell those folks they don't have to do that. Which door do they enter? How do they come in? What's the process of getting into the building? Stuff like that. They may not even ask that question, but just go ahead and offer a lot of details about how low the bar is and the barrier is to get in. How long will service be? Don't use today as an example because we're about to draft. Two hours. Okay, are they expected to give no redemption life family that's our responsibility we take care of this place we, we will tell our guests that no guest is expected to give some people are afraid of that some people come from backgrounds that you come into a church and you don't. the people around you don't see you give they'll ask you you don't believe that's real it's real Hey, I, believe, I thought it was a far-fetched statement that people would literally look at people and say, You can't sit there, that's my seat. Until it happened here. And I thought it was over until I heard that it happened three weeks ago here. Let me help you if somebody you don't know comes in and is looking for a seat, not only don't you dare tell them the seats beside you are saved, get up and say, take mine. And you go stand your honey end back there in the back. I mean. Take as much away, take as much of the unknown away as possible and make it less scary to attend. Okay? Do I have to lift my hands? Do I have to stand up? Do I have to do anything? No. Okay? Be by their side as they fearfully step into the unknown. Your presence will comfort them and give them strength to see for themselves what church is really about. If they come, follow up. Hey, man, any questions? Concerns, cries of outrage about your visit. If you come back, I get double the points. Come on back. All right, let's do it. Lord, by all means, use us. By all means, we covenant with you. We give you us. I give you me. By all means, use me. By all means, use this house. By all means, constrain people with your love. Through us, by us, in us, with us, whatever we can do. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.